My name's Angelo and welcome to We Want Picks. I'm gonna break down the entire UFC Vegas 65 fight card, giving you my picks, predictions, and bets. But before I jump in, let's talk about the resounding success that was UFC 281. We absolutely crushed. We hit almost every single bet were up big units, both myself and Jacob. Jacob didn't go live on YouTube, but he was throwing bets up on Twitter and in the free Discord. Those are up big, big, big. Our prize picks hit yet again. Monkey Knife Fight Knockout Kings hit yet again. Underdog Fantasy hit. And then the exclusive premium member parlay, premium, premium member parlay, the two-leg, the three-leg, and the four-leg hit. These two graphics are the success that we've had the last two weeks because I can only fit two on the screen. But we have been absolutely dominating. And the overall point here is become a premium member. Go to wewantpicks.com. At the top, there's a button that says become a member. It's only $10 a month. 10 freaking dollars a month. You get all of the bets, all of the picks, raw notes, DraftKings optimizer, prop games. You get everything before line movement. And we've been crushing it. The success that we had last night and last week is enough to cover your $10 membership for months or years. Literally years. I think we're up 30 units from last night. If a unit is $10, I just paid for 30 months. That's almost three years of membership. What are you waiting for? Weonpicks.com at the top. Click become a member. And if you want $50 to really get you going, go to weonpicks.com slash bets. Sign up with any one of our betting partners. Make a deposit. And I will send you $50 as a thank you. Weonpicks.com slash bets. Sign up. You have to use our link. This is affiliate marketing. Use the link. Sign up. Make a deposit, I'll send you 50 bucks. Cash app, PayPal, Venmo, however you want it. And let's jump into UFC Vegas 65. This is a tricky card. UFC 281 was also a tricky card. We just did a really good job picking the bet spots, but the fights were hard to pick. Lots of upsets. This card feels very, very similar. And opening up is Natalia Silva taking on Teresa Bleda. Natalia Silva is a well-rounded fighter who's always fun to watch. She's got that brawling strike style where... She's willing to just bang and throw punches from her hips. She does have solid upper body takedowns and good control on top. What she does really well is she'll bait you into a slugfest. She'll come forward with strikes, and as soon as you return, she backs up. And she does a really good job unloading while circling. So now she got you to chase her. She's backing up and circling and you're coming forward. So she's really getting you to chase and then keep you inside of that pocket there. She's got solid power for the division, but she does leave herself open for takedowns. She's coming off the win over Jasmine Jazzadovicious where she had three takedowns and defended six. And let's not forget, Jasmine is a Canadian, I think she's like national champion or something to that effect, wrestler. So those stats are very, very impressive. Teresa Bleda is a determined grappler who will come forward and work the takedown. And she isn't just a grappler, though. She'll stand tall, she'll strike while coming forward. But as soon as you're comfortable, and as soon as you throw a kick, it will be caught and she will get you down. She's got great control on top and is very methodical about her positioning. What she is really good at is grappling, but she's definitely more dangerous on top than bottom. Teresa's a real prospect, and I almost wish that they didn't match her up against Natalia. She's only 20 years old, but she carries herself well. The issue here is that while Teresa is a solid prospect, Natalia Silva is the real deal. What she was able to do to Jasmine in her UFC debut was very impressive. Teresa's gonna need to get the takedowns to have a chance at winning this fight. And after watching Natalia defend six of Jasmine's, I, I don't know how much success Teresa's gonna have there. So Natalia's the pick 
And I'm actually very, very confident in that spot. Then we have Fernie Garcia taking on Brady Highstand. Fernie Garcia is a pretty well-rounded guy. He's got good wrestling background, but when he fights, he's primarily a striker. His striking style is forward pressure and counter striker. He's always taking steps forward, but he does a really good job of moving out of the way of strikes when they come firing back. Typically, when he's on the wrong side of striking exchanges, he's going to drop down and grapple but he is coming off that loss to Journey Newsom, where even though he said many times before the fight that he was going to wrestle, he did not, and it cost him that win. Brady Highstand's a pretty good wrestler who scrambles well. His boxing is good enough, but he can struggle with pressure on his feet. He's coming off a UFC debut loss to Ricky Tershos, where even though he had six takedowns and eight, there's only 15 minutes in a fight, he had eight minutes of control time, he was outstruck 201 to 82 and everything in me wants to pick Brady. I know he's going to shoot. I know he's going to score well with the judges because of the wrestling. The problem is I also know how insanely hittable he is. I mean, I just mentioned he had six takedowns in eight minutes of control time. So in a 15-minute fight, more than half of that time he spent on top, and he still somehow managed to get hit in the face more than 200 times. Not the face, but hit more than 200 times. Fernie was insanely frustrating to watch in his last fight because he just refused to wrestle but his get-up game was solid, and we know he has power. I'm struggling with what to do here, but I think I'm just going to ignore the odds and go with Brady. Journey took Fernie down twice, and they were literally his only takedowns in his UFC career. I have to imagine that Brady's going to have success there as well. So Brady's the pick, but this is a fight where I'm going to be looking for the takedown prop bet line. So if you don't know Bet Online, one of our betting partners, so go to weonpicks.com slash bets, on... Sometime during the week, sometimes Tuesdays, sometimes Fridays, depending on the week, they drop takedown prop bets. So they may say Brady Highstand. Actually, I just crushed with Andre Petrosi. They said one and a half takedowns for Andre. I did the more. I played the over. I made money. Very simple. They're going to drop lines for every single one of these fights. We'll see what the Brady line is. So I'll wait for that. That'll be the only bet that I probably place on this fight. Then we have Vanessa Demopoulos taking on Maria Oliveira. Maria Oliveira is a tall and long striker. She comes forward with power, kicks, and punches. Instead of using the kicks to keep range, she does use them for damage. She has decent takedown defense at 45%, but she was completely manhandled by Tabitha Ricci, where she gave up five takedowns in almost seven minutes of control time. She's coming off that split decision win over Gloria DePaula, where they each had two takedowns, but Gloria landed more total strikes. Vanessa Demopoulos is a solid striker who likes the pocket. She doesn't have very real power, but she does have volume and footwork. If it does get to the ground, Vanessa's got solid grappling and can make something happen. She's coming off that win over Jin Yu Fry, where she had a takedown and four minutes of control time. But what was most impressive about that fight is how aware of the score she was. She needed to pour it on going into the third to close out that fight for a win, and that's exactly what she did. I like Vanessa in this spot, and I expect her to flip to become the favorite come fight night. I think she can handle the striking exchanges and will have the edge in grappling. Maria's getting credit for her win over Gloria, but a lot of people think she lost that decision. I do have a half a unit money line bet on Vanessa at plus 100, which essentially means if Vanessa wins, I double my money. So if a unit's $100, I'm putting a half, that's 50 bucks, I'll leave with 100. So uh, I, I really like Vanessa here. And if I could double my money in that spot, then that's what I'm going to do. But only a half a unit because it's still women's MMA. And, you know, Maria is pretty dangerous, especially with those heavy leg kicks. 
Then we got Ricky Tershos taking on Kevin Natividad. Ricky Tershos is a very fun guy. He's fun to watch. He's got a crazy style. He moves forward with a ton of pressure and an insane variety of strikes. He'll throw anything from anywhere, and he's going to smile while he's doing it. In two of his three UFC fights, he landed more than 100 significant strikes, and that includes that loss on the Contender Series. He doesn't have much to offer outside of high volume and high pace because he has a very low 18% takedown accuracy and under a 50% takedown defense. He is coming off that loss to Eamon Zahabi, though, where he had uncharacteristically low volume. He didn't have that normal pace that we expect from him. Kevin Natividad is a Hawaiian tough fighter, but unlike most of the fighters from that region, he's more of a you know, he's more of a striker than a grappler. He's got or more of a grappler than a striker. He has very good BJJ and decent takedowns to get it there. He can strike as well, but he usually ends up a step behind and his hands don't end up back at his face to protect. So he'll throw and they're going to stay out instead of coming here and then clink, things aren't well for him. His path to victory is definitely with grappling, but so far in the UFC, he has been Matched up with Miles John, who's a very good wrestler himself, and Dana Bagarai, who just has incredible power. If I didn't just watch Ricky's last fight, he would be the clear pick, right? His incredible pace would be enough to back up Kevin and get it done. But unfortunately, I did see his last fight, and he was not himself. He didn't pressure forward. He allowed Eamon to set the pace. If he does that in this fight, he's probably going to be taken down and controlled. This is definitely a low-level fight where the UFC is basically just trying to determine who they're keeping and who they're cutting. I'm still going to pick Ricky because I'm hoping his last fight was the anomaly, and he brings that high-pressure fight to the table. The Brady high-stand fight is what's giving me hope here, right? He was taken down six times, but he still won a split decision because he landed so many strikes. So I'm expecting more of the same from him. He'll probably get taken down. Hopefully work his way back up and just pour that volume on. Look at the stats. 5.27 significant strikes landed to 2.63. So that's what I'm hoping for here. And hopefully his last fight was just a one-off. Then we have Miles Johns taking on Vince Morales. Miles Johns is a good, strong grappler with heavy hands and explosive speed. The wrestling used to be the core of everything he did, but then he got two knockout wins in a row. And now he just seems to be chasing knockouts. He's coming off that submission loss to the sexy Mexi where he just refused to wrestle. He spent that entire fight sitting and waiting for Castaneda to come forward so that he could throw haymakers and try to get his third knockout win. Vince Morales is a decent striker with okay boxing, but he makes up for any technical gaps with forward pressure and volume. He's always moving and always working something. He has legit power in his hands, but he does tend to go to it often and then fizzle out if he doesn't find the finish. He's coming off a decision loss to Jonathan Martinez, where he was a step behind in the striking, and he gave up two takedowns. And this is a tricky fight to pick, because Miles Johns, before his knockout wins, and Miles Johns now, are very different fighters. He had four takedowns in his first two UFC fights, and zero since then. If I can trust Miles to come forward, throw bombs, but then quickly work for takedowns, he's the easy pick. But I don't know if I can. He was so frustrating to watch. And he was broken in that Castaneda fight. And someone as gritty as Vince Morales could do the same. I'm still going to do one last ride with Miles here. Because I'm hoping he's sort of been humbled in that fight. And he is going to go back to his wrestling. But betting wise, I think I'm just going to sit and wait for those takedown props that I just mentioned with Bet Online. So they'll drop those hopefully Thursday. And we don't have to wait all the way till Friday. We'll see what that line looks like. Honestly, hopefully they give him too high of a line and I can bet the under. You don't always have to bet the over. 
Keep an eye out for those. If you're a premium member, the very second these prop bets drop, most of them drop on Tuesdays, and then they start trickling the more complicated ones later. As soon as the prop bets drop, Jacob and I start hammering them and betting on those. A lot of the success that we had at UFC 281, the reason we were up so many units, are prop bets. Because early on, you get great odds. Great odds. And then they start to, you know, like anything else, tighten up throughout the week. But we know for a fact Bet Online drops props on Tuesday. So we keep an eye. We're constantly refreshing. Where money lines, sometimes they're dropped months in advance depending on how high profile the fight. So anyway, become a premium member. You can immediately link the Discord to premium membership for free. And then you'll get alerts to your phone. You just, and you look at your phone. Jacob just placed this bet. Angelo just placed this bet. And if you watch any of our betting videos, you will see the closing line value that we're giving you. So we want picks.com. Click become a member. It's only $10 a month. And I think we've proven over these last few weeks, it pays for itself. I just gave you 30 units of profit last night. So you're covered for three years. I better not hear any complaints. God forbid we have a bad weekend. We picks.com. Click become a member. Then we got Jennifer Maya taking on Marina Morose. Jennifer Maya is a well-rounded fighter with good BJJ, but just okay wrestling and underrated boxing. She's a decision fighter, but she does have a few tricks up her sleeve, like that submission win over Joanne Calderwood a little while ago. Her normal path to victory is to outbox her opponents who are too afraid to take her down, but she does have a negative striking differential, and she is coming off that loss to Manon Faro, where her strikes were doubled. Marina Morose is a striker who has tons of volume and mixes her strikes up really well. She's got nice movement on her feet and she avoids the pocket well. If she does end up in the pocket, she can be a little hittable, but as of late, she's actually started to work in takedowns. She's coming off the win over Maria Agapova, where she big-sistered her and ultimately got the submission. She's got five takedowns in her last three fights, which now makes her dangerous everywhere. Jennifer Maya is much better than her recent record. Even her three most recent losses were decisions and they were to the champ, the number one contender, and the number two contender. And this should be closer than the odds are saying, but I'm still going to favor Marina Morose here. I think she can be the more technical fighter and still work in takedowns while avoiding submissions. The pick's going to be Marina. There's at least an 80% chance this goes to a decision, and I am not a big fan. You know, we, we give you all of the, in premium membership, we'll give you our picks for the round lines, like what what we like over, what we like under. I don't typically bet that. I don't typically bet round lines unless they're you know, one and a half. And I don't typically bet a specific outcome. In this case, I may place a Marina Moreau's wins by decision prop bet. This is also another one where I'm going to be looking for the takedown lines because I do think she will work in some takedowns and maybe we get lucky and bet online underestimates her grappling ability. If you go to weonpicks.com slash bets and you sign up with any partner, I do recommend Bet Online, but sign up with any one of them using our links. I will send you 50 bucks after you make your first deposit. Then we got Zalgas Zumagulov taking on Charles Johnson. Zalgas Zumagulov is a grinding style fighter who has solid power and very good wrestling. His goal is always to throw big looping punches to get you to react so he can work in a takedown. And the stats are very deceiving because while he averages more than one takedown per fight, he only has an 18% accuracy. But as I have mentioned many, many times before, that's just an indication of chain wrestling and relentless pressure. He's coming off that split decision loss to Jeff Molina where despite getting two takedowns and more than a round of control time, his strikes were more than doubled. Charles Johnson has a huge personality, and he's a ton of fun to watch. He's the former LFA champion and a very well-rounded fighter. His style is styly. His style is mostly striking, but he is capable everywhere. He marches forward with busy boxing 
and solid kicks. He's got some solid power, and he never stops coming forward. His cardio, pressure, and confidence will be an issue for a lot of people in the UFC. He's coming off that loss to Muhammad Makayev, where he gave up 12 takedowns. But hey, on the bright side, he defended 14. It's not so bad. On the surface, you're probably going to say, well, Muhammad Makayev took him down 12 times. Certainly, Zalgas can take him down a few times as well. And that probably is true. But the difference is that Makayev has insane cardio and he sets an insane pace where Zalgas can fade and he's definitely chinny. I think this fight does look similar to Zalgas's last fight. He will get some takedowns, but ultimately be outstruck and outdecisioned. I like Charles to continue throwing strikes and being unfazed by the wrestling threat. So Charles Johnson is the pick, but after this, I'd like to see that poor guy get a striker. Give him a striker. They keep matching him up with wrestlers. Then we got Jack Della Maddalena, and he's taking on Danny Roberts. Jack Della Maddalena is a striker with an interesting style, right? He plots forward on his toes with a really nice step and jab. And then if his opponent responds, he takes a big step back and he just restarts that cycle. He's got deceiving power where strikes that look like setups or jabs end up rocking and in some cases finishing his opponents. He's got a great jab, solid takedown defense at 66%. But his offensive takedowns can definitely use some work. And he's coming off that win over Ramazan Amiv where he survived a standing anaconda to eventually win by knockout. Danny Roberts is a striker who has solid boxing and footwork. He throws very hard and he has the power to KO anyone in the division. His takedown defense is not great and his takedown offense is even worse at only 11%. He's coming off the decision loss to Francisco Trinaldo where you might say, oh, he lost to Francisco Trinaldo. Maybe he was taken down. Nope. He was outstruck 91 to 44, and he gave up four minutes of control time without a single takedown. Jack Della Maddalena has been impressive as of late, and honestly, quite simply, if Francisco Contrinaldo was able to outstrike Danny Roberts, Jack Maddalena is going to put on a clinic. Danny has very real power, but Jack's jab and defensive footwork should be able to neutralize any power threat. Jack is absolutely the pick, and I think he's probably tent pole safe for parlays. Then we got Cody Brundage taking on Rodolfo Vieira. Cody Brundage was a solid college wrestler who has transitioned to MMA. He has decent chain wrestling and he throws big heavy punches to set up his takedowns. He uses his wrestling well and he's always pushing forward, but he can be a bit chinny. He's coming off two solid wins in a row. The first was a submission over Dolce Lungenbula where he was rocked a few times and almost knocked out. But he survived, and more recently, he showcased his power with a KO over Treshawn Gore. Rodolfo Vieira is a massive guy at 185 pounds. He's crazy strong and has world-level jiu-jitsu. Rodolfo's a freak athlete, so expect him to have power in his hands and good for offensive takedowns. But even with improved cardio, I don't necessarily expect him to be 100% fresh in the later rounds, especially if he wrestles. He's coming off that loss to Chris Curtis where, honestly, he looked decent. He had a point deducted because some nut shots, which could have changed that decision. He went 0 for 20 in takedown attempts, but he did pressure forward. He did have better cardio than Chris did. And some are going to argue that he had the nicer striking as well. And I like Cody as a fighter, but I need to go with with Rodolfo here. He showed that his stand-up has been much better as of late and that he does have three rounds of cardio now. His takedowns can certainly use work but he won't need them if Cody's the one who wants to come forward and shoot. Rodolfo could look like the better striker here and will certainly be the better grappler. The only real risk is that Rodolfo's taken down and controlled for three full rounds, but I like his size, his power, and the grappling 
to get him the win. Then we have Muslim Salkov taking on Andre Fialo. Muslim Salkov is a solid striker who hits very hard and has wrestling in his back pocket if he needs it. He holds nothing back, and almost every single strike is a significant strike. He has really good takedown defense, solid takedown offense, and great striking. He's coming off the loss to Lee Jing Lang, where he went one for four in takedowns and was ultimately knocked out. Andre Fialo is a striker with a nice double jab, heavy leg kicks, and solid takedowns when he needs them. He's got legitimate power in his hands, which he showcased in the first round knockouts over Miguel Baeza and Cameron Van Camp. He will mix up inside and outside leg kicks, and he uses them really well. His issue, though, is that his defense needs work. He's very hittable against Michelle Pajeda in his UFC debut. And if you go back and watch his PFL fights, he was hittable there as well. He's coming off the knockout loss to Jake Matthews, who's traditionally a wrestler. And this is a tough spot because Andre has proved to hit like a train and we just watched Muslim slow down and get put out. But we know Muslim also hits hard and we just watched Andre get put out himself. I'm going to lean Salikov here because while both of these guys have shown that they're, you know, they can be a little bit chinny and they can be touched, Salikov is the more well-rounded fighter overall and he's proven that he can win fights with striking and grappling. So I'm going to go with Salikov here. Not my most confident pick because both of these guys are dangerous. Both of these guys can be knocked out. Then we got Chase Sherman taking on Waldo Cortez Acosta. Chase Sherman was originally supposed to fight Joss Parisian a few weeks ago, but it was scrapped on fight night, and now he's getting another crack at it. Chase is a good boxer with solid footwork and speed. He's got volume, and he doesn't stop throwing hands until the last bell. Even if he's dead tired and slowing down, he is just winging punches. Outside of his short notice fight with Alexander Romanov, Chase has had solid takedown defense, but does not have any head movement at all. He is hit with more than six significant strikes per minute. He did find his power in his last fight, which was a third round KO over Jared Vandera. Waldo Cortez Acosta is a fun heavyweight striker who marches forward, winging wide, looping punches, and only looking to take your head off. He will feel out the range, and after a few light jabs, start throwing heat. What he does well is mix in body shots before coming to the head. He doesn't look for takedowns, but if it ends up on the ground, he has solid BJJ, and he can create scrambles to work back up and end up on top. He's coming off that win over Jared Vandera just a few weeks ago, where he came forward Checked zero leg kicks, but he managed to stay standing and take that decision win. I get people are hating on Chase Sherman here because he's only one in four in his last five, but he's a tough dude who is always down to throw. Waldo probably wins this fight with a full camp, but he just fought two weeks ago, and I think I've seen him take more leg kicks in that fight than anybody in heavyweight history. And I imagine for a full week after that fight, he was limping heavy and had limited movement. He also didn't show that insane one-punch power that you're going to need to slow down Chase. So I'm fully aware that Chase Sherman is 4-9 and nine in the UFC, but I like him. I like him against a damaged Waldo Acosta on short notice. I got a half of a unit money line on Chase Sherman at plus 160. If you remember, I did this same exact bet just last night when we had Dominic Reyes and he was taking on Ryan Span, And, you know, I was like, listen, Ryan Span's got the power. I think he can get it done. I did a half a unit, big odds. Same thing here with Chase Sherman. It's not the power. I think it's the volume. It's a half a unit. I'm not, you know, I'm not crazy confident 
in the pick itself because Waldo is dangerous, but it's a half a unit bet. I got it at plus 160. That's some solid value considering he's fighting Waldo, who may still be limping. Then we got the co-main event. We got Kennedy and Chuck Wu taking on Jan Kutalaba. Jan Kutalaba is definitely a grappler, but he also has really good power in his hands and is happy to fight in a phone booth. He's a feast or famine fighter, so he will chase a stoppage, and he may get stopped doing it. He's good on the ground, and he racks up tons of takedowns, but they can be sloppy body locks that are more muscle than technique. Kupalaba gets finished in his losses, but that's traditionally to very, very good strikers or very good BJJ guys. He's typically beating the, you know, the middle-of-the-pack type fighters. He's coming off the loss to Johnny Walker, where he was submitted at the end of the first round. Kennedy and Chukwu is the comeback kid. He's a very long striker, and he's got a ton of power. He's got solid takedown defense at 81%, and he is never out of a fight. He can be gun-shy at times, which is how he ends up falling behind. But he did recently break a two-fight skid with a third-round knockout over Carl Roberson after getting five takedowns. Kennedy went from zero takedowns in his first eight UFC fights to five takedowns in his last one. And this is another tough fight to pick. Kennedy is the big favorite, and I understand why. He's a dangerous striker with solid takedown defense. But if it ends up on the ground, it could look like the submission loss to Paul Craig. I wouldn't normally worry about this, but considering Kennedy just had a whole bunch of takedowns, he may try to piggyback that success. And that Carl Roberson win may have him thinking that he's a wrestler and he could end up putting himself in harm's way. Ultimately, Kennedy's going to be the pick because of how dangerous his striking is and how chinny Jan can be, but I hope he stays off the ground at all costs. Then we got the main event of the evening. Couple of heavyweights. We got a heavyweight grappler taking on a heavyweight banger here, and we all know who Derek Lewis is at this point. He's got incredible power, but very low output. He can be taken down, but then he'll literally just stand right back up. Like, it doesn't matter. He's a powerhouse that is never out of a fight, but he's rarely in them. You never see... Point to a fight where Derek Lewis was dominating the fight. It's literally him losing before one big punch or doing nothing at all before one big punch. He was losing to Alexander Volkov for 14 minutes and 50 seconds before the comeback knockout. He's coming off the knockout loss to Sergei Pavlovich where he contested that it was a little early. Sergei Spivak is a heavyweight grappler who's got great ground and pound with solid takedowns. He has an okay submission game. And he is a capable striker. He doesn't have KO power, but he does have a decent jab and solid volume. He's coming off the destruction of Augusto Sakai, where he had six takedowns and the eventual TKO in the second. Before that, he destroyed Greg Hardy with three takedowns and a TKO in the first. Derek Lewis is all hammer and no nail. Anyone who isn't afraid to actually fight him can have success. Both Tuivasa and Pavlovic had no fear, and they put Derek out early. The problem is if you don't get in his face and take him out, he will always be live. I mentioned that Volkov win. And while that was a few years ago, that's exactly what could happen here. Lewis getting completely dominated for the entire fight, but then finding the knockout with 10 seconds left. With that being said, the pick's definitely Spivak here. I can't be picking people hoping that there's a 10-second prayer at the end of a fight. Sergey Spivak is the more well-rounded fighter. He's the better fighter He's literally better everywhere except raw power. So I got to go with Spivak. And I love Derek Lewis, but, but that dude's having a pretty hard fall from grace as of late. Guys, become a premium member. 
We have proven week in and week out that it pays for itself. We gave you about 30 units of profit last night. I think 20 or 30 the week before if you include the live bets. We're absolutely crushing it. Sign up now. It's only $10 a month. Go to wewantpicks.com. At the top, click become a member. It gets you the bets. It gets you the picks. You have a DraftKings optimizer, DraftKings player ranking, prize picks, underdog, knockout kings, all the things you could ever want or need to make money watching fights. It's only $10 a month at wewantpicks.com. And if you want $50 to really get you going, go to wewantpicks.com slash bets. Sign up with any one of our betting partners, make a deposit, and I'll send you 50 bucks. You use our link, you make a deposit, I cash app, I Venmo, or I PayPal you. $50, that's at wewantpicks.com slash bets.